0: Yeah.
2: greetings, welcome to today's Steve Day Show podcast here powered by CRTV, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and the podcast has grown quite a bit already in just over a week, so thank you very much for that. Keep spreading the word, sharing that uh, we are providing a free product each and every day. Thank you uh, to the powers that be at CRTV for making that possible as well, and we're working on some big news. Uh, where this podcast is concerned, that uh, we may be able to announce any day now. So, hope I didn't let the cat out of the bag, and none of the uh, poo over at CRTV are listening. So,
1: but you I don't. Know, I don't even know, I, know what you're talking about. But,
2: yeah, but you know, I like to tease stuff. You yeah. know that. So that's how I roll. I like that. So, Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's why I always tell Amy, you know, if you don't want the kids to know what they got for Christmas. Make it very clear to me what's a surprise and what is not. I just don't, you know, I like like teasing things. I like hinting at things. I kind of like that. I like the cat and mouse game. I like that. Do you like that, Todd?
0: I'm not sure if I like your version of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Todd rejects binary choices.
0: (laughs) Nice. That might be daunting.
2: Steve at stevedace.com is the email address, D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Of course, you've already heard their voices, Todd and Aaron are here uh, with us on the podcast today. We just wrapped up taping today's TV show for CRTV, and uh, my good buddy Trevor Loudon was on with us. Aaron, uh, the conservative filmmaker, documentarian, author, he's working on a new movie about Antifa, and he actually came here to interview me for the film. And we decided, hey, while you're here, let's put you on set and do some of this history for our own audience and I think that's a segment uh, that our audience needs to hear later today on CRTV.
1: Indeed and uh, I think the opening um, when we kind of set this up and uh, set the stage for the uh, the conversation with Trevor Loudon that that's uh, a must hear as well and must uh, much wa- must watch as well. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is um, that even though uh, most of these people, probably, who represent Antifa, really don't have... You watch any of Fleckus Talk's videos. We, we featured a, a bit of one um, um, yesterday on the Precious Moments segment of the show. Uh, you, you you listen to any of these, and they really don't have an ideology to speak of other than we just want to resist, and we want to fight, and we want to take to the streets. That That's that, that's their ideology. It doesn't go any deeper than that. Even though that's the case, these people... Are causing a lot of are are causing a lot of damage, or at least have caused a lot of damage, and so it needs to be addressed by adults, and I think that's what uh, I think that's what uh, Trevor gets into in much much greater detail. And then
2: Todd, um, since you love to do teases so much, what uh, what do you want to tease about today's TV show for our podcast audience today?
0: Well, we talked with uh, Nate Madden. About uh, some of the uh, the the three major primaries, he covers
2: Congress for CRTV, yeah. by the way.
0: The three major primaries for uh, coming Rand Paul. up: Alabama, Nevada, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, I'm. It's interesting. Uh, the guy I want to win the most in Alabama is the guy I voted for for president. I wrote him in instead of Donald Trump. So, you know, I have no idea what it says if a Kelly Ward, who we talked about last, is winning by like 23 points in Arizona, and Roy Moore wins. And uh, Tarkanian wins, and I know nothing about Tarkanian. Instantly, that's not showing me drain the swamp. It's not showing me conservative grounds. We won't know what that means until well after the election in terms of its efficacy at all. I mean, it could end up, ironically, being like the, the, the election day in terms of a primary victories you said is the hardest thing to get like this to over to kick out an incumbent it may be the one you've been waiting for for a long time but uh, we we still won't know what it means
2: all that and more coming up today on the television side of things on CRTV. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV and you want to try it out for free, there is a free trial period. Use my name, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, and you won't just get to sample everything we've done for CRTV up until now, but uh, everything that's been done by the great one Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder as well. The entire channel available to you via promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, free tri- free trial discounted subscription and if you're looking for paying month to month we do offer that as well just 10 bucks a month you can get all these shows each and every month right there on your mobile device on your computer at your convenience courtesy of CRTV.com All right, today's podcast it's Tuesday it's Americanism 101 we are almost to the end of this series that we started right at the beginning of the year our attempt to essentially begin to reintroduce and and Rediscover the principles that we're supposed to be trying to conserve as conservatives. And it began with phase one, learning that, that American creed that, that Chesterton talked about. America being the only country ever founded on a creed. And that creed is there is a God, the God of the Bible. Our rights come from him, not government. And government's role, therefore, is to protect and preserve those and defend those God-given rights. That's its role. That's the creed of America. And then once we learn the foundation of America, we learn that creed, well, now we need a framework to carry that out. And that framework comes from, for the purposes of our study anyway, it comes from the, the great book by Dr. Cleon Skousen, The 5,000-Year Leap, 28 Great Ideas That Changed the World. And this week, gentlemen, we are on principle number 21. Strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. Strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. What do you think that means, Todd?
0: I mean,s we're sc- that means we're screwed. <laughs> uh, no, I know. I covered local government for twelve uh, years, uh, for the better part of twelve years at, at the Des Moines Register. And I met a lot of very interested uh, local public servants, but, you know, those, play, those meetings, those public meetings, they're tombs. They're almost always tombs. No one cares about the ongoing daily basis of local government, and therefore it can't be strong, and it won't be strong. I mean, this, this was the essence it wrapped up in those famous quotes from benjamin franklin a republic if you can keep it mm-hmm. there it is this is what this is about that we we created this thing this overarching federal government yes but it was to protect this what you're talking about it was not to supersede it in any way shape or form and the horse is so far left the barn on that one. Is the, can we even see the barn? No, no. I mean, the
2: horse is so far down the trail, i got to squint my eyes to even see the barn it came out of. You know, it's out of eyesight.
0: Yeah, and so in this regard, we are absolutely in existential trouble. And to the extent local government does matter, it's often in the case that it is... Attached to the government teat at the federal level. All the hoops that you have to jump through, I've seen it in local school boards to get education funding. Uh, The the states, uh, you know, the the fact that we don't uh, elect senators anymore the way we used to has everything to do uh, with this uh, kind of uh, uh, accountability and transparency. Uh, This is one, perhaps more than anyone, that has hit me, and a lot of them hit me in the gut, but this one perhaps worst of all because we have forsaken our duties as citizens on this level we have turned federal government into reality tv and the founders when they talked about uh, the corrosive effect of party politics one of the most corrosive effects is it is is killed the essence of the average public servant we do not have any, we don't know who they are Steve, ask most people, even people that are relatively tuned in uh, and and they won't know who's sitting on their city council, they don't know who's sitting on their school board, they can't remember the last time they even went to a meeting they may not go to those elections a democracy a representative republic like ours cannot sustain itself with that level of decay. I'm one of those people I, I don't know
2: I know some of the names, I don't know because to me it's irrelevant. I know I I know all the decisions that ultimately matter are going to be made in Des Moines. Now I know everybody there, but I don't know who's on the West Des Moines Council because they're not going to do anything. I know it's all going to get. I know it's all going to be centralized in Des Moines and Washington D.C. I've only got so much time in my day. Yeah, I mean I, I know there. I I know and and I know most of the people that are that sit there in those local on those local governments. That's just a stepping stone to go to. True, well, in our case, Des Moines because that's our capital, Des Moines, and then Washington D.C. Right. So I don't know. It, it, there's not. But you also know that's not how it is. Oh, I know. To be. I know. Yeah. It's, I know it's yeah. not how it is. But I also I have to accept that's that's our dilemma. Right. We feel trapped. We know that that's not the way it should be. On the other hand, if the reality is, if we want anything done, if we went to our, you've covered these. I've helped get people elected to city councils in the past, or school boards. If you try to do any kind of real reform at that level, what are they going to say? Well often it's the state it's, yes, yeah it's tied up in well, state yeah, funding the, the state, yeah tied up in state funding or federal or see, regs yeah, or yeah yes. yes yes so it's just like it, it, at some point you're like you know what man I got a family I got a mortgage take me take me to your later take me to the one who get I want I want to negotiate with the one who can say yes and no and not not middle management or you know the local foreman right right now and so that's where we're trapped is on one hand we know it's not supposed to work this way brother but on the other hand if you want to get anything done you're wasting your time practically at that level in, in most cases, aren't you?
0: Well, you can't just going there and rolling up your sleeves is not going to cause the revolution. The one has to go in hand with the other. You you need to start gutting the federal government. This is why I've absolutely said in the past. People would I'd be happy to have my taxes increased at the local level if the federal government. Was being gutted because no, I know exactly I, sure. that park over there. Yep. I see it. I drive by it. Kids can play there. They can be safe. I know those cops. What have you? That that's how it's supposed to work. We
2: uh, now. I do think you you
0: could you can still put a
2: dent in your local school board. I should say that, but it's probably not going to be on any of the funding mechanisms where you could really raise cane at your local school board. It's probably on the curriculum level, indoctrination level. Right. If you were willing, if if parents were willing to say, ah, bloody hell, that's going on right. at my school, but 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 if. If you are really going to try to reduce the size and scope uh, of of how your district operates, merit pay for teachers—that's you have no chance, none. In fact, in Des Moines, here in our local school district here in Des Moines, the the this is how big of a racket it is. Now, this may not be true anymore because it's been several years since I've been involved in local school board politics. Okay, but when I was, I was stunned when I learned this, particularly as a guy who grew up in a union household. And when I say union household, I mean like AFSCME, government unions, I mean like, you know, local teamster, rougher guy, assembly line guy, electrician guy, that's that's the household I grew up in. A lot of the kids that I grew up in, their dads were the same. I was a teamster at UPS when I worked there in college. Okay, so I was stunned to hear this, because this just goes against the entire mindset. The the union steward for teachers in the Des Moines school district almost half of his salary was paid by the school district. Half almost half of his salary was paid by the people he's negotiating for, and almost half of his salary was paid by the people he's negotiating against. How the
0: hell do you manage that? Oh, it's they're all that's a scam. Oh, it is a scam. They're all just playing with house money. I mean, that's exactly yeah. I mean, if 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 if
2: you belong to your local you know international brotherhood of electrical workers would you put up for one second if you found out that the that the electric the the electrical company you're working for is paying your union steward to go negotiate of course you would not tolerate that but that's the monstrosity but but you're a private sector union that's a lot different you're a dying breed by the way all right government sector unions are the majority now and that's what a teacher union is so they're all basically on the same team. Yeah. They're just arguing about, you know, they're all they're all this, they're all chipmunk, chipmunks fighting over the exact same nut. That's all. That's not an antagonistic positioning at all. That's not collective bargaining. That's an oligarchy, brother. That's what that is. And so when you recognize, well, that's when you start to ask yourself, what is the point of even trying to make reform here? When the agents that I would use that are supposed to have uh, you know, a somewhat hostile position with with the government are actually getting paid by it. There's no point in even negotiating at that point. You've already lost, right? Yes. And this is this is where we are. When you hear when you hear this statement, Aaron, about local government from Cleon Scousin, Let mm-hmm. me repeat this: strong local self government is the keystone to
1: preserving human freedom.
2: When you hear that, you think what?
1: I think that um, we probably wouldn't. Uh, be having any sort of conversation. We probably wouldn't even think about having a conversation about why the heck the police aren't being sent in to actually do their job in Berkeley, California and elsewhere around the country. Because this conversation only happens when the local government fails, and the local government only has the opportunity to fail when self-government fails. Mm. We've, We've, like you said earlier, the horse... Is a long ways away from the barn. Also, did you just assume that horses species uh, as well? Because <laughs> my bad, because that's probably speciesist. <laughs> yes, that, that's how far away we are.
2: It's a it's an undetermined uh, uh, being,
1: mil- or amorphous blob of atoms. Yes,
2: but the reason we can't have self government without local government. I mean, we just don't have the time and the ability to monitor what goes on in our state capital or Washington D.C. every day but we would have time to go down to our county courthouse once a week right yeah and that's exactly why the less emphasis there's been on local control and local government what has happened to the size and scope of government in and of itself it's grown because we just aren't there to police it. I want to share a few statements here from this chapter. This is from Thomas Jefferson's own writings. The way to have good and safe government is not to trust it all to one, but to divide it among the many, distributing to everyone exactly the functions he is competent to perform best. Let the national government be entrusted with the defense of the nation and its foreign and federal relations, the state governments with the civil rights, laws, police, and administration of what concerns the state generally. The counties with the local concerns of the counties and each ward or township direct the interest within itself. It is by dividing and subdividing these republics, from the great national one down through all its subordinations, until it ends in the administration of every man's farm by himself, by placing under everyone what his own eye may superintend, that all will be done for the best. What has destroyed liberty and the rights of man and every government which has ever existed under the sun, the generalizing and concentrating all cares and powers into one body, no matter Whether these are the autocrats of Russia or France or the aristocrats of the Venetian Senate. That's prophecy right there, Todd. That's prophecy. That's not political analysis from Thomas Jefferson. That's prophecy. Your thoughts.
0: I was thinking uh, another way to get at how far. The horse has left the barn on this one is what you said regarding Obamacare, and I believe it was because uh, the what was it the amendment ten Cruz was an, was a, a calling for us to allow every state oh, to during the Obamacare repeal. Obamacare that essentially withdraw? him and
2: Mike Lee were willing to give to bribe states yeah. to create the free market in their state to try and bring health care uh, costs down. And yes. the
0: condition was as long as we could pull out completely. And yes. You said that you said that would be. A, a win of sorts and you also uh, almost guaranteed that no state, no state would, would do it. And it's because, partly, because of what and we're talking this, about right now. I think
2: Governor Abbott's a great, maybe the best governor in America right now, the governor of Texas. I don't even think Cruz's yeah. home state would do it.
0: See, and that's what we don't have. I'm not
2: sure Mike Lee's home state of Utah, which is considered the most conservative state in the, in the union, would do it. But yeah, but, but that in and of itself would be a teachable moment, wouldn't it? Yes. If you offered them the chance to do right and even bribe them to do it, and and still, the, the scheme of our government is so far gone now that even when bribed to do the right thing, the incentive to keep cheating the taxpayer still overwhelms
0: the bribe. Yeah. So just we don't really have laboratories of democracy Hmm. to the extent that we need to everywhere in terms of the states. I mean, Steve, you you talk all the time about moving down to Texas or perhaps Florida because of sales tax issues or whatever. I know there's more issues than that regarding uh, Texas, but that – that's how you would know we would be getting on back on the right track and especially the way and it would be kind of ugly at first and it would it would be looking very much looking like the Hatfields and McCoys and blue versus gray because if you could get people voting with their feet again in mass and, and pick listen I, I can't live in this place anymore but I can live in that state and my family can thrive there and vice versa uh, it Oh, that's not a place you would want to end at, ideally. You would want to end at a place where you could move at any state and not feel like you were in a foreign land. But for now, we need to have states taking big risks. And by risks, I don't mean corporate welfare to try to get the next Google to come along. Because that's true <coughs> yeah, Iowa. Yeah, where
2: you give them $10 million for, you know, 100 data entry jobs. You mean stuff like that?
0: Exactly. We need to do things that cause freedom-loving people from across this land to say, you know what, Iowa is sounding really, really good right now. Aaron, let me share this quote
2: from Thomas Jefferson for you and get your reaction. The true theory of our Constitution is surely the wisest and best, that the states are independent as to everything within, themselves, and united as to everything respecting foreign nations. Let the general government be reduced to foreign concerns only, and let our affairs be disentangled from those of all other nations, except as to commerce, which the merchants will manage the better, the more they are left free to manage for themselves. And our general government may be reduced to a very simple organization and a very inexpensive one with a few plain duties to be performed. By a few servants.
1: Well, darn, that sounds like a pretty good idea, don't you think? Um, Why didn't we think of that? Yeah. Uh, This this is frustrating, listening to this. It sounds really great. It sounds like a great idea, but it's also frustrating at the same time. Because you can have the conversation about local government as well, and returning the power there. But let's say you did, you did something groundbreaking, earth-shattering at a local government level. What's stopping some organization or the county or the state from suing you, taking you to court, taking you to the Supreme Court, and somewhere along the line having a black-robed master strike down everything you've, you've worked for? There's no such thing as local government anymore when you have tyrants dressed in robes making decisions on what law is and is not
0: Hmm.
2: one more quote from this chapter I want to read for you guys Uh, this is a historian named John Fisk who was an early 20th century historian that uh, Dr. and quotes to close out this chapter you guys ready for this probably not you have any sharp objects nearby
1: I forgot my knife today. Good. Good.
2: This is going to depress you.
0: (laughs) It's just another day that ends in Y.
2: If the day should ever arrive, God forbid... When the people of the different parts of our country shall allow their local affairs to be administered by prefects sent from Washington, and when the self-government of the state shall be so far lost as that of the departments of France, or even so closely limited as that of the counties of England, on that day, the political career of the American people will have been robbed of its most interesting and valuable features, and the usefulness of this nation will be lamentably impaired."
0: That's a good tombstone.
1: Ouch. That right right in the patriotism.
0: You said before Steve that uh, he
2: wrote those words in 1916, yeah. by the way, guys. Yeah. Literally 100 years ago. Yeah. A century ago, John Fisk wrote those he, words.
0: You were joking before you said we should have thought of that. That's the point though. They thought of everything. We just don't care. Uh, it was all thought up. The, the, the plan was there. You could, uh, you had, a, you had the mechanisms there within the Constitution to tweak it as needed as you go along. Of course, um, you you do as you need to to change with unforeseen uh, technological advances, modernity, what have you. But it was all right there. It's like I say all the time: it's uh, the, the Constitution. It's not about interpretation. It's about that the, those who have caused that to come true don't care about that anymore. In fact, when you see uh, Antifa, they're celebrating what is happening. Chaos to them is preferable to what was devised here because they know in its essence we believe it to be God-ordained and they hate that. Mm. And thus it must be taken down. This and and there's nothing under the sun in that regard.
2: What do you think, Karen?
1: Don's absolutely right. I mean, it's 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 uncanny how how um, closely aligned, and we don't even plan this. E- each of these principles has been every single week. Each of these chapters has been every single week. Um, but it's I when you step back and look at it, it's not uncanny. I d- I don't think it's. Divine that we have an example right on our doorstep every day that we do this. I think it's just this is this is us right now. The, the warnings in these that Cleon Skousen um, provides, we are there right now. So that's why it seems like every time we do one of these, oh, there's an example on our doorstep of of um, of this principle not being put into use or of us losing this principle. That's not to say that things are hopeless. We can have another conversation like that later on or a pep top talk like that later on. It is Wednesday it's, it's getting closer to Wednesday, so tomorrow's going to be the most depressing day of the week, of course. but um, it it's it is it is disappointing, as Todd just pointed out. it's just it's like we just don't care anymore. Hmm.
2: Well the thing we have to be concerned about when we when we present these truths is to do so in a way that they are not that they are convicting but not debilitating that yes we need to be made painfully aware of how much we have lost because that's all that will create the sense of urgency and courage of conviction to do better in this and future generations. Complacency won't do it, right? But And and we don't always do this well. I can think of at least one show last week when we did not. (laughs) Because we're human beings too. You know, we get down and discouraged too. But there's a meta-narrative that we have always talked about on this show from day one. And the reason we've introduced it from day one and we've always talked about it from day one is because on a day-to-day level, we're gonna get discouraged. That's just unavoidable. But that meta-narrative is revival. We are not a people capable of recovering that which we lost. And that's why it seems like such a daunting task just like if i stood on the roof of my of my, wherever town you live in that you're listening to us today if you go to the roof of the tallest skyscraper in your community the tallest building in your community and the idea of jumping off of that and soaring through the sky seems like a pretty daunting idea right you know why cuz you don't have wings and you can't fly so the the, the reason why talking about these things seems so daunting seems so impossible is because we are not a people yet capable of recovering these things. If we were, we would not have lost them. That's the paradox here. If we were capable of, of, of in, in, in our current state corporately, if we are capable right now of getting back to what we just articulated, we would not be so far down the road we're on right now. So then, you may ask, what's the point of of, of alerting us to these things? Because there's always seven thousand men in Israel who haven't taken the need of bail yet, and you start with them, and you grow out from there. And I'll give you a good historical ante- uh, anecdote that I've used when I've done Thanksgiving messages in the past, that I think applies what we're talking about here. Before the Puritans came to this country on the Mayflower, they originally went to the Dutch for sanctuary. Now, the Dutch did not want to bring them in, and then finally agreed to do so on one condition. And that one condition was they could not actively evangelize the populace. Now, being the good five-point Calvinist that the Puritans were, that wasn't a difficult stipulation for them. They were, after all, the frozen chosen. They were okay with that. So, they move into this community. They start following Calvin's axiom of, of being a city within a city, a city on a hill. They start living faithfully. Now they're not knocking on doors, they're not handing out tracks, not sending out handsome young men in white shirts on a bicycle built for two, like the Osmonds, okay? Uh, they're not hanging out at the airport, you know, asking people, if you die today, are you sure you go to heaven? And you look at them and said, well, you Jehovah's Witnesses say only 144,000 of us are going to heaven, there's 3 million of you, so it's already too late for me, so leave me the hell alone. I'm toast, right? Not doing any of that, Okay. Not taking mission trips to Haiti like I did a couple of years ago. They're not do, not they're not building. Yeah, yeah, but what they are doing is what Aaron does in his spare time. They're building end tables with their bare hands. They are doing that. Damn, Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, they just start living faithfully. They just start living covenantally. And what happens is now, you know, you ever wondered why that pitch black summer night? What happens when you turn the front porch light on? You ever notice what's attracted to it? Bugs. Why? Because there is a light shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it. They can't help. These beings of filth, that's what a bug is, a being of filth, cannot help but be attracted to this light. And so suddenly the women of the community here in the Dutch community start going to the women in the Puritan community and they're like, hey, we noticed that your husband like plows your fields. Like, makes a living. Disciplines your kids. We'd like to get some of that action over there here at, uh, in our side of the neighborhood. And the pagan husbands are going to the Puritan men and they're like, dude, you have you have nine kids. You sleep in bed with your wife every night. Um, how'd you get that arrangement? How'd you make that happen? Wait, wait, you own your own home, and you built it with your own hands. Um, what's going on here? Because they just started living counterculturally. That was all the evangelism in this case that they needed. And then when they felt the call to go back on the trip that would eventually lead them here, that same Dutch government that originally did not want them begged them to stay, bribed, tried to bribe them to stay, tried to pay them money to stay, even told them, hey, if you feel as if God is calling you to create your own settlement, we'll give you one of ours. The Dutch were a powerful empire in the world at this time. Don't forget that. We will give you one of our settlements. It'll be yours. You're the best tax base we have. We don't want to lose you guys. See, that's, that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing here. Because if we can get those 7,000 men in Israel who haven't taken the knee to bail yet, if we can get that remnant to start living counter-culturally... Which would then greatly reduce the ill societal ills that the average American family is dealing with. You're not going to deal with most of those in your home. Most married women who find out they're pregnant from their husbands don't get abortions. Most unmarried women who are pregnant with somebody from, from somebody they're not married to are who get abortions. Like, 80 percent. See where I'm going with this here? Right away, you start insulating yourself from most of what is toxifying the culture and sooner or later the people will come people will come and they'll say all right man what y'all got going on over here i need to know what's going on here What, what are you guys doing here this doesn't make any sense to me and that's where revival and reformation take place there and that's why we always talk about revival on this show. Todd and Aaron, I'll give you guys the final word. Aaron, I'll start with you.
1: There's nothing left to be said. That's our only hope. And again, I want to remind everyone, including myself, that revival is not a means to an end. Revival is not a means to an end of making America great again. Revival is a recognition of who is great and who gets the glory. It's a reassessment of our priorities of of where are where who we are and whose we are that's that's who it is it's not a means to an end
0: go out into your church into your schools into your community and find a way to get more involved and stop just letting uh life dictate its course to you uh i just coach a team we have to in the soccer league i coach and we have to just beg people to coach their own kids teams that's just the tip of the iceberg get involved there's unlimited ways to do so and put your stamp and thus God's stamp on the world
2: gonna do it for today's podcast. Thank you for subscribing via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Thanks to CRTV for powering this podcast each day. Don't forget our show on CRTV where we tackle a lot of the uh, the issues and topics that are making news today. Until tomorrow, John 317.
0: This is Steve Dace. I like it, you